That's more than I had this morning. So. <laughs> I'm glad to see you. Full house just looks good, doesn't it? Amen. That's great. I have to tell you something. For th This is just for you who were not able to be at the banquet uh, Friday night. It's one of those, it, it was one of those you wait all your life for experiences that I had at the airport Friday morning. Miss Sally reminded me of it a while ago. I wouldn't have thought of it again. The Sally's always reminding you of something. <laughs> but I, I, they, they, my, 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 my driver put me out, kicked me out at the curb and uh, to get my baggage checked Friday morning. And a uh, black gentleman there, tall, slender, uh, white-haired, white mustache, had on that black suit. I mean, they, 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 they looked sharp there. <clears throat> and uh, we were going through the whole thing, you know, give me an ID, give me a charge card, uh, gate number, blah, blah, blah. And he said, do you know, Mr. House, he said, I think I know your brother. And that really interested me since I don't have a brother. <laughs> and I said, really? Who, who, who do you know? And he said, Maxwell. <laughs> and it took me a minute. I'd never thought about it, you know. And I, I said, oh, yeah, Maxwell, he's good to the last drop, isn't he? And he said, yeah, that, that's him. He just smiled. He thought he'd have made his day right there. I think he made my day, though. I'm, I'm glad for that. The pastor took me out to the property uh, yesterday. And uh, what an amazing, wonderful potential you have. Now, you know, I love this. I mean, I could, I could live with this forever, you, you know. I, I go to a lot of churches 20 years old. The front pews are still brand new. Nobody sat on them yet. No option here. If you want to sit, you do. And uh, I like it. But I know it's, uh, it, it stresses your patience sometimes, knowing what's there and the, the potential. But uh, in God's time, in God's time, and, and what, a, what a blessing it would be. And I appreciate the comments on the, from the 830 crowd. I could not tell you how many said, you know, that's the first time I stayed awake through the whole message since we've been here. <laughs> yeah, the preacher said that. He, first time he'd been awake through the whole thing. But it's, it's just uh, a delight to be here. It really is. And uh, I... I'm just sorry I don't have more time to visit and preach. If you have your Bible, would you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9? The very mention of those words bothers some people because they know where they're going. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We talked this morning, while you're finding your place, we talked this morning about preparing for whole heart Christianity. 
And it was, it was much about getting our heart right if we're going to be wholehearted Christians. And uh, it came down to those three words, anywhere, anytime, any cost. And so all of that involves us giving back to God what he's already given to us. I want us to, I want us to double down tonight, and I want to talk about, if you would, some guidelines for whole heart giving. Whole heart giving. Now the tithe, you know, that's pretty simple. Somebody said, you know what, tithing things, that's the most difficult thing I ever tried to do. No, it's not hard. You just move the decimal one point. You got it. And you, it's a command. You don't need to pray about it, study about it. It's like being baptized after you get saved. You just do it. And so I'm not talking about the tithe. That's a gimme. Every informed, honest Christian is a tither. Now, you may not have ever been informed. I'm about to do that. The tithe is the Lord's. Now, what was that other thing? Oh, yeah, you might be a crook. I can't help you with that. That's, that's for you to straighten out. But the tithe, when you, when you start talking about giving, you have gone past the tithe. And as far as giving to God, you can't give God anything to get your tithe paid. And, and it's, an, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So uh, there's so much said about it. I want, to, uh, I want to talk to you for a while about those guidelines for whole heart giving. Uh, we're, we, we hear so much talk about stewardship and so many things said about, you know, if you want to hear a lot about finances today, just tune in so-called Christian radio or television. You'll get a lot of information on, uh, on uh, money and possessions. And you know the teaching you'll hear spans from one pole to the other. I mean, you've got the prosperity crowd on one side, and you've got the poverty crowd on the other side. And, and it goes from one side to the other, one extreme to the other. You've got the Joy Boys on television, and they deal with uh, prosperity, and they explain to you how God blesses their faith, and so they can drive a Bentley so you can see how God blesses real faith. And uh, they're, they're, they're quite, they quite enjoy that, you know. They, they like that. And then you have our Catholic friends, they all, not all of them, not many of them anymore, but uh, they used to take poverty oaths and they would join a monastery or whatever and, and sell everything they had and uh, get rid of all their stuff and that way they're saying, uh, showing how much they love God. So one crowd shows how much they love God by how much they get and the other crowd shows how much they love God by how little they have. And that's, that's, that's interesting. Now, you take the Baptist crowd, 
Somebody said, where are they? From one side to the other. It, it's crazy. Yeah. We, we go from extreme to extreme. A lot of Baptists have a poverty mentality. They just cheap. Uh, fact. I forgot about this crowd. <laughs> Dear Lord, a man that turned his back on that for 30 minutes, got to be brave. <laughs> but in my wallet pocket. <laughs> but if you're not careful, you, 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 you'll be all right everywhere except where it comes to God. You'll get cheap. And you, you don't want to go... You, you don't want to go there at all. And then some of the Baptists have a prosperity mentality as long as other people are paying for it. You know, it's fun. But here's the deal. Both crowds, the poverty crowd, the prosperity crowd, they both got a verse. You, you, you do know you can take a verse and prove about anything in the Bible you want to. So they both have their verses. I just want to give them to you. This doesn't have anything to do with the sermon. We're still visiting if anybody's keeping time. <laughs> okay. Here, 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 here's the poverty crowd's life verse. 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Now that sounds pretty anti-materialistic to me. That's John writing. Well, he kept on writing and he got over to 3 John 1, 2 and here's the other crowd's verse. Same writer, same inspiration of God. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in hell even as thy soul prospers. I don't know which way to go now, do you? I do know which way to go, you do too. You don't build any kind of doctrine on one verse. You go line upon line, just right down the line, every jot and every tittle, and, and you, you build your doctrine on the entire teaching of the Word of God. So let us tonight for, now I'm getting ready to start. For all you who are tired and you who still are awake, I'm getting ready to start. Let's, let's, let's go to the Bible and see what the Bible has to say. You see, as much as is talked about the Bible, and as much as we talk about giving, as much as there is said in the Bible, there's bound to be a proper way of doing it. Now, when I first started preaching, I didn't know anything about the Bible or preaching except what I'd heard other preachers do. And so here I am pastoring now, and you, you know, I'd, I'd say things, I'd say crazy things, like all the preachers do. I'd say things like this, you know. I don't care how you give, just give. I don't say that anymore. There's a right way to give, and there's a wrong way to give. And so I want us to look at this and see what we can find in here. Very, very familiar verse. Uh, just one will take care of our time tonight. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, 
not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, let, let me get this out of the way. It's going to be a wonderful great day for you and for me when we come to understand that real Bible stewardship is not what takes place just when the offering plates go by. It is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle, a wake up, stay awake, go to bed lifestyle. And we have to come to understand that. We have to come to understand it in order to appreciate what it really is. I might as well go, I've been so good all day. Let me get a tacky out now. Please, please hear it the way I mean it. You, can, you cannot be a good Christian without being a good giver. Period. Now, you most certainly can be a Christian and not be a good giver. You most certainly can love God and not be a good giver. You most certainly can go to heaven and not be a good giver. But you cannot be a good Christian and not be a good giver. Every example we have proves that God, for he, God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus Christ came into this world. They began to give him hallelujahs and praise. And he said, just hold up on it. I did not come into this world to be ministered to, but to give my life a ransom for many. You say, well, preacher, we can't give our life a ransom for anything. I know, but we can give our whole heart. Yes, we can, you see. And uh, so I want us to look at this thing of, of some Bible guidelines uh, for whole heart giving. Now, they, these, this is going to be deep theological words that some of you won't understand. Uh, you can talk to your preacher about them. He can explain them to you. Just try to make them stay in your mind, all right? Guideline number one, give. G-I-V-E, give. You say, is that it? That's it. Somebody said, what does it mean? Well, it means give, you see. Look at our verse, if you would. It's pretty simple. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Now remember, we, we done slid past the tithe. We've come now to where few Christians ever really walk on a regular basis. We've come to a spiritual level that some never reach. And uh, it's a gift. Now the question is, who's to do it? Well, who? Look, look at what it says. Every man. Every man. Now that's that inclusive man, woman, boy, or girl. That means the richest person in the building and the poorest person in the building. That means the healthiest person in the building and the person with the least health in the building. That means the oldest. And that means the youngest. That means the infirmed. That means the one who's still in, in, in the youth and strong, you see. Yeah, there's no exclusions. In every church I go to, except this one, of course, there are some people who think that verse does not apply to them. You say, how do you know? Because they don't give. 
So they just, they just leave it out. But the command is for every Christian. Can I give you a pitiful statistic? I don't know why I ask, because I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Let me give you a pitiful statistic. That's a better statement. Four out of ten church attenders. Now, that's different from Christians, but it covers the whole lot. Four out of ten church attenders never give anything at all. Nothing. That's no thing. Just don't give. But late, wait, listen to this. Another two or three give next to nothing, which leaves about three out of ten carrying the load for the rest of the crowd. It ought not be that way. Amen. Not be that way at all. You say, well, if I knew you were just going to talk about money, I probably wouldn't have come tonight. Well, we kept it kind of covered, you know, <laughs> a little bit covert. But, I, but quite honestly, uh, stewardship is not really about money. You, you don't really think God needs the money, do you? Stewardship is a reminder. Uh, it is a, uh, when we come to this giving thing, it's a reminder that this life is not about us. It's about God. Uh, it's a reminder that I'm not the point. God is the point. Uh, it's a reminder that God does not exist for me. I exist for him. Uh, it's just a reminder that I own nothing and God owns everything. That's what giving's all about. And we need to understand that. So guideline number one, every man so let him give. Guideline number two, give generously. Give generously. I want you to save your place there. Stick your stringy thingy in your there and, and, and mark that place. And back up, if you would, to Mark chapter 14 for just an illustration of, of, uh, of generosity. We need to look it up. Mark chapter 14. We're going to begin reading in verse 3 when you get there. It's that wonderful story of Jesus being anointed by Mary of Bethany. Most of us are very familiar with it. And familiarity with Scripture is a real problem because once we get familiar with the story, we hear it read over and over, and we just breeze through it. So, yeah, I know that story. Uh, it's supposed to be fresh every day. Find out what it's saying to you tonight, would you? Verse 3, speaking of Jesus. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. Uh, those who study this type thing tell us that that alabaster box of ointment of spikenard was valued at a year's income. Now, if God asked me to give a year's income, that would be an extravagant gift for me. But you and I ought to be prepared for extravagant giving. Let's move on. Very precious. She broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? See, the stingy rebuked her. Isn't that interesting? 
They're the stingy Baptists rebuke a generous one for doing what they ought to be doing. Still works that way today. Why was this waste of the ointment made? You know what they're thinking. Well, if we wouldn't support all these missionaries, we keep that money here, we could move right on. And if we, we could, well, we won't go there. We'll just move on. I was about to bring the evangelist up. Verse five, they said it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, shut your mouth. That's, that's my Texas Bible. And then literally that's what he's saying. He's saying, shut your mouth. Let her alone. Now all she's done, she just blessed the Lord with a gift. But I want you to know what Jesus said about it. He said, why trouble you her? Now notice what he said. She hath wrought a good work on me. Now what she did, Jesus called a good work. What, what, when it comes to today, we call it the bad part of church. The offering time. When we're to tithe that give our offerings. But let's move on. Verse 7. For you have the poor with you always. And, uh, and whenever you will, you may do them good. But me, you have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Notice verse 9. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. That's quite something. You don't find that in the book very often. She, Jesus said, I want you to take note. She's done something that can never be taken away from her. He spelled it out like this. He said, as long as the gospel is preached anywhere in the world, what she has done shall be spoken of for a memorial of who? Her. Her. And that verse is being Fulfilled in your ears tonight. What, what a wonderful commendation for generosity. Jesus said she hath done a good thing. Now, if she had been a Baptist, she took that alabaster box of ointment out and took the lid off and got her a spoon and got out 10% and thought she had really blessed God. She, she, no, she had the... She, she had her whole heart in it. What we call foolishness, the Bible calls faith. And we just need to get back to it. It's, it's fair to say. Did you know that the more calculating a person is, the less they give? I don't know who keeps the money around here. I've looked every time I've been in the building. I can't find it anywhere. But... <laughs> But whoever keeps the money, whoever's handling it, somebody's got to be. If every week you go through there and you get a check from the same person and that check's $127.32, you got one cheap Baptist on your hands. I mean, he's not even going to round it up to 35 cents on the end. Right down to the jot and tittle. You say, well, that's a lot of money. The amount's not important. It's why you're doing what you're doing. 
and the way that you're doing it, you see. Somebody said, well, what would you call a generous offering? Well, one size doesn't fit all. But since you asked, I can give you a hint. If you want to know what generosity is and generous giving, uh, take, take note and break, break your expenses down into a weekly thing and put your house payment, your utilities, your insurance, your groceries, your clothes, your uh, Starbucks. And, and this one tickles me, I've never seen it before, your Wawa's. And, and uh, your big gulps and uh, all of that stuff, your satellite, your smartphone, and figure out what that amounts to each week, and you'll be getting close to what you consider a generous offering because we're very generous with ourselves. I suspect we better start moving toward God with that kind of generosity. Hmm? Yeah, I think, I think that would work out really, really well. And while you do it, remember, she got that memorial, that eternal memorial. Every once in a while, I hear some good, well-meaning Christian say, you know, before I die, I'd really like to do something for God that I know would last. She did. She didn't have to have much. She just had to use what she did have. Number one, give. Number two, give. Generously back to for, uh, our, our text now, almost. I'm not going to quite get there. No, uh, number three, give regularly. Regularly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, as you move back toward 2 Corinthians, verse 2. It's another familiar verse. Since it's familiar, we don't pay any attention to it. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered, that there be no gatherings when I come. Upon the first day of the week. Now, I was born in Arkansas, so thereby I was grown before I knew the first day of the week wasn't Monday. That's when it started for me. But that's not the first day of the week, is it? What is the first day of the week? Sunday. Where did Paul, inspired of the Holy Spirit of God, assume the Christian was going to be on Sunday? At the church house, the storehouse. And uh, there's a command there. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered. See, what he's saying is, no matter what you think about your financial situation, God hath already prospered you. And you lay by in store as God hath prospered. It's not about how much you have, it's what you have. And you need to stay with it. You know, many, many Christians don't give it all. Some who do are hit and miss. You know, vacation time. Baptist, only folks I know take a vacation, you know. Miss two Sundays, three Wednesday nights. And when they get back, the tithe doesn't come with them. The offering didn't come with them. It's a crazy thing. But see, it's the first day of the week. Why? <laughs> this is going to get touchy for some of you. So, so let me just suggest this to you. Don't get legalistic about it and go out and commit suicide. 
Somebody says, well, preacher, I get paid twice a month. I tithe and give offerings twice a month. That's not what the Bible said to do. Huh? Somebody said, I'm on Social Security and I just get a check once a month. I tithe and give offerings once a month. That's not what the Bible said to do. Somebody said, but preacher, it's the same amount of money. I already told you it's not about the money. It's a reminder. And most of us don't even understand the principle of the tithe. When you sit down and write out your tithe check or count out that money on Sunday morning, that is a simple reminder to you that God let you have that to start with. Amen. Second reminder that Sunday is that everything else you got in your pocket belongs to God also. And third reminder is that every spending decision we make is a spiritual decision. That other 90% is a spiritual decision. How often have you heard it perhaps, maybe it just slipped out somewhere, but some preacher said, now you tithe and give your offering, the rest of it's yours to use as you see fit. That's, that's not right at all. No, sir. Everything belongs to God. And we are so thick-headed that we have to have a weekly reminder, not a every two-week reminder or a monthly reminder, but every week. And it's not a big deal. You can divide before. That'll work it out, or two, however it comes. So plan your giving. You know, give God the first fruits of everything, not the leftovers. There are other churches I go to, never this one, of course. There'll be a couple in church, maybe a couple of couples, and they'll drop a couple of thousand a couple of times a year in the offering. And folks say, my, aren't they good givers? No, they want you to stroke them. They, they want some attention. The good givers are the ones that every Sunday morning, rain or shine, y'all don't do snow nor ice, do you? Rain or shine, I asked the preacher today, I told the preacher today, I said, I'm sure glad to see on your license plate it says the sunshine state. I said, otherwise I'd never know it. <laughs> I hadn't seen the sun since I've been here. But you want to understand, they're going to be here every Sunday. Their check's going to be there, or the cash, for their tithe and their offering and, and whatever else the Lord's put on their heart to give. Sunday after that $100, that $200, that $50, that $10, whatever it might be, you can count on them. I know some, I know some really good people except for one thing. You can't count on them. But the first day of the week thing will put you over in another category. So give, give generously, give regularly. Number four, fourth guideline for wholehearted giving, give deliberately. Give deliberately. Somebody said, well, what do you mean? Well, we're back to our text now, verse 7 of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Every man... According as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Now, somebody says, well, what does that mean? That means you have to do it on purpose. Nobody 
I hate to I hate to dump this on you again. I think we run at it Friday night and I got scared. We're born selfish. I read you, you know, when I first got in church, I came up with that old crowd that thought poverty was a sign of spirituality. They thought the poorer you were, the safer for heaven you were. They thought if you had anything, it'd make you worldly. And so they that's why they took care of their preacher. And uh, I began to read my Bible, and that really messed up a lot of what I knew up to then. Yeah, and, and I began to find some of the strangest things. I found in there where Jesus said, um, you know, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, I knew better than that. Yeah. Huh? What do you mean it's more blessed to give than to receive? Man, I just love to get. I, I was born wrong. I came into this world a taker. I came into this world squalling. I wanted something. Found out I'd get it by squalling for it. I squalled till I was half grown. Then I became a teenager and it got worse. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Then I got saved. Somebody said, that fixed it, didn't it? Help you a lot with this issue? You know why I got saved? Now, please love me through this. I got saved for what I could get out of it. You say, oh my, I got saved because I love God supremely. How long you had this lying problem? <laughs> you, did, you did not know what love was until after you got saved. Somebody said, well, don't you love the Lord? I love him more now than I ever have. But wait a minute. I love him because he first loved me when I didn't love him. I didn't care about him. I got saved so I wouldn't have to go to hell and I could go to heaven. And then the Bible taught me what a wonderful, marvelous thing it was to become a child of God selfishness and I'm working to get over that but I was born that way and 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 here we we come to this thing of see how do we overcome it he said you you do it on purpose you're not going to just evolve into it you're going to have to make a hard rock decision one day I am going to become a generous giver to my lord I mean you're just going to have to be hard-headed about it as he purposeth in his heart a deliberate act of worship, a contemplated, meaningful act of worship. I'm of the opinion that in our churches, basically around the country, we have desecrated the meaning of the offering. And so it comes time to do it, and we jive the music up and blink the lights a couple of times, tell them, hurry boys, we'll get it done before they realize what's happening. And it ought to be the highlight of the service. That's when we worship. The rest of it's preaching. That's when we worship and we've turned our back on it, you see. It ought to be a contemplated, done on purpose thing. Not automated like, like, like I do some things. I, you know, I'm, I'm an eight track person hung up in a digital world. I don't know what's going on, but in my little office at home, you know, I have a computer. I can turn it on and off. I can be dangerous with the thing. 
And so I have it set up where there are normal monthly expenses. They're always the same that are related to the office. And so uh, all I do, I mean, they just come a little flash up there and I punch a few buttons and they're happy and my bank account's down. They get the money. I don't know how they do it, but I don't have to think about it, you know, so I'm glad for that. But there's some things I'm not going to, I'm not going to put on automated. I told you about my wife, her birthday, 29th of November, has been every year since we married. She starts on November reminding me of it. It starts in February reminding me. November 29th is my birthday. She's really putting the pressure on me now. It's March. She's working on me. And I thought about going to the flower shop and getting the best bouquet that they had. And just telling them, now look, every year, 28th of November, I want you to get this bouquet. Look America over. Get the finest arrangement of flowers that the world offers. Don't worry about the expense. Here's a charge card. Put the number down. Here's the way I sign my name. And you get that. And you put a card on it. It says, with all my love, JC. Write it like I write. And then on the, the morning of the 29th, you go to my house and you deliver that. That way I won't ever have to think about it. I'm safe. That's the way some folks tithe. I got to think about it. I said, maybe she don't like flowers. Maybe she'd get tired of flowers. Maybe there's something else she'd like to have for her birthday. Isn't it funny how we buy gifts for people based on what we want? And so I figured it out. I'm slow, but I figured it out. I'm some dumb, but I ain't plumb dumb. <laughs> I figured it out. It always works better for me if I'll really work on discerning what she wants for her birthday and get that for her. I always come out better. And she's happy. Don't you think we ought to be that generous with God? Don't you think we really ought to say, see, now you're a preacher. I figured it out. He's a mathematical genius. He is. If you can't figure out what your tithe is, you just tell him what your gross income is, and in two seconds, he'll spit the answer out. Absolute genius. But he can't tell you what you ought to give. See, it, it wasn't a problem for him to get that tithe thing out. It's in the book. 10% of the gross. Right? But he can't access how much you're supposed to give. He does not have access to it. That's personal between you and God. But you have to really work at discerning what it is or the devil will talk you out of it. The devil will give you one figure. God will give you the true figure. Then you're going to have to discern which way you're going. And it's an amazing thing. So you just do it on purpose. And at number five, and I, I would tell you I'm hurrying, but you can tell I'm not, so don't need me lying about it. Number five, give voluntarily. Voluntarily. Don't let somebody increase, uh, twist your arm. Look at verse seven again. Not grudgingly, nor of necessity. I was talking about us dumb preachers a while ago. I had some Lulus. I still have some, I'm sure, but you don't tell me about them if you don't mind. I, I get ready to come off from time. 
I, I, had, a, I had a classic. Okay, folks, now it's offering time. Let's dig in and give till it hurts. Ain't that a blessing? It's offering time. God wants to hurt you. My, my, second, my second one. And I, I had heard all of these from other preachers. Second one. Okay, folks, look around. All this equipment, all this electricity, heat and air. It takes a lot of money to run an operation like this. Let's dig in now and give according to the need. And all the time, the Bible saying, no, no, no. You don't give grudgingly nor of necessity. Somebody said, well, preacher, if we didn't give out of necessity, why would we ever give? Good question. Because you love God. Period. Give voluntarily. I want to just read you a verse. We're going to jump to my last thing here. You know, someday I'm going to finish a sermon. It's been somewhere around 30 years since I finished one, but someday I'm going to get her done. Listen to this verse. We're still learning to give voluntarily. Exodus chapter 35 and verse 21. Listen. And they came. Everyone whose heart stirred them up and whose spirit made them willing and they brought, they brought the Lord's offering. Isn't that interesting? Two things had to happen. They had to get their heart right and their spirit right. See, that's the problem some Baptists have about the giving thing. They've got a heart problem. Need to get it corrected. Let me give you one other thought, seriously. Somebody said, how many you got? 20. <laughs> the sixth thought on guidelines for giving wholeheartedly. Give with excellence. Every Bible student who's been a student long knows that 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9 make up the longest continual discourse in the Bible on giving. Some try to divide it up and call one chapter faith giving and the other chapter grace giving. I'm back to my old ways now. I don't care what you call it. But get in there and see how they did it and do it like they did it. And so, if you back up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it's it's an interesting story, and Paul is commending a little church that's in deep, deep poverty. They're having a really hard time. And uh, he commends them. And in verse 2 of chapter 8, he says, How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy... And their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality, their generosity. And so he goes on talking about that. And and he's giving them commendation on their giving. But he says the most interesting thing, and you can study it sometimes on your own. But but he gets down to verse 5 and he says, you know, they, they did all that good giving they gave beyond their power, but they said, he said they didn't do it like I thought they would. They first gave their own selves. Once we do that, the money thing's a gimme. They first gave their own selves. Now listen, who's he talking about? 
He's talking about those local church members who, who are saved and on their way to heaven who have never given their self to the Lord. And he said, first thing they did, before they, before they were able to do that beyond their power given, the first thing they did, they gave their own self to the Lord. And then he comes on over and he gets to verse 7 in chapter 8. And he's going to name off five graces, five graces that they absolutely excelled in. And then he's going to put a postscript on it. I want you to look at it, if you would. Verse 7. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, five tremendous graces that they abounded in, he said, listen now, see that you abound in this grace also. What is this grace? You do it by context. It's the grace of giving. He said, now you're abounding in all that other. Abound in this grace also. Excel in it. Just, just become an expert in this thing. See, see that you excel. Do it with excellence, he's saying. That's easy to say. It's a little bit different to do. It's like playing an instrument. I watch, I watch our pianist where she is, right there. If she takes some lessons, she could really be good. <laughs> she's wonderful. She's more, I, I'd give anything to play the piano like that. I'd give anything to play the piano. Somebody said, okay, all you gotta do is take lessons and practice. Well, you didn't listen to me. I said, I'd like to play the piano. I don't want to take lessons and practice. And sitting in this room tonight are some people who want to excel in Christianity. They want to excel in Christianity, but they're not willing to take lessons and they're not willing to practice. And the starting place in the practice is the whole heart thing. Yes, and then you begin to excel. You say, well, I don't believe in that. Yes, you do. See. In, in, in our world, we teach the pursuit of excellence in everything. Universities, seminars, ladies' seminars, men's seminars, youth seminars, Christian law seminars, church growth seminars. Why don't we do it in giving? The Bible doesn't mention much of the other, but it talked a whole lot about giving. 2,350 verses on stewardship. And we don't want to mention it, you see. We are admonished to excel. So let, let's begin to practice. Someone said, how would I do it? That's the simple part. Number one, right in the midst of your circumstances. Right in the middle of your circumstances. Right in the middle of your mess. Let's just spell it out. You begin to tithe. You, you don't need to pray about that. You, you, you arrange your debt payments where you can get to living within your income, within your means, and you begin to tithe. And then you talk to God and say, now, dear God, I'm an honest Christian. I'm going to tithe. What would you have me give over and beyond my tithe each week? And then hush your mouth. 
and listen. Now, I've never heard the voice of God. I've never seen writing on the wall. But every once in a while, I can hear from God, can't you? And you'll hear from God about your giving. Too many Baptists don't want to hear from God about their giving. Too many want to do just a token giving, not, not the whole heart thing. And you folks have an opportunity that very few independent Baptist churches in America have. And, and if you don't do it, who's going to do it? So the guidelines are simple. And why we have a problem with them, I don't understand. There are probably some folks here tonight, not even probably to it, there are some folks here tonight who when we stand and begin our invitation in just a moment, you need to come and you need to do some business with God and get the tithe thing settled and, and ask God now to teach you and show you what he'd have you to give. He'll do that. But if you're here tonight and you've never been saved, you don't have anything to give God. You need to receive. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And so you need to receive Christ as your Savior. So bow your head. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Let me ask you quickly if someone here and you say, Preacher, I listen to you talk about money and I know it's in the Bible. I understand that. But my problem is I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I don't know for sure if I died tonight I'd go to heaven. I'm concerned about that. And if I could know it, I'd like to know it. And I wish you'd pray for me. Anyone sitting here like that? Not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. Anyone at all? All right. Then all of us are saved. Tonight, you need to find you an altar and just settle the tithe thing and make yourself open to God about the giving and you'll move into a wonderful, wonderful life. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it now. Have your way. Don't let us rush through this time. But may we yield to you. In Jesus' name, amen.